today's episode, we speak with Sam Paisley, the author of Elements of Time. We go over the similarities of being an author and being an entrepreneur, getting customer feedback, working on current market needs, and really developing an idea and bringing it to market. There's a lot of similarities, and we really go over the 10-year journey that took the ideation stage in Sam's mind to where the book is today. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Check out the book on Amazon, and most importantly, check the links below and get your copy. I've always been uh, one of those people who's kind of been caught between two worlds. Uh, I have a creative side and then a business-minded side. When I'm with creative people, I just want them to get organized and get their lives together. And when I'm with business people, I just want them to kind of loosen up uh, a little bit and think outside the bun. Um, and so early on in my, I guess, career life, graduating university, I was deciding, do I want to take a creative path or a uh, more business-minded path? And the decision, which I am happy with um, for, for every reason that I can detail, um, was to go with a business-minded path and then give myself the ability through kind of success in the working world to fund and have time for creative pursuits. Um, so that's allowed me, uh, and then having obviously an incredibly supportive family, network, friends, all that kind of stuff, to um, devote time and energy into, as you said, what became a very, very long book uh it's actually only the first of a trilogy um and so yeah that's kind of the the high level synopsis of, of who i am and, and what this book is and i guess that's kind of, really with starting your story at what point did you realize you wanted to write a book was this something like hey you're in high school going to university you're like i want to write a book one day this has always been my passion kind of thinking of an idea along the journey or was it you know you're at the office one day and you're like and you think I need to do something else. This is every day similar. I want a big change. Was it say like long journey to get it started or was it really for lack of a better phrase, just like a flash in a pan one day you woke up and you're like, I need to write a book. I need to finally put pen to paper. How did that beginning part start? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think that it's, it's almost a situation of the, the medium um, creating itself. Uh, and what I mean by that is I was considering going into film but obviously the, and I, like I said, I decided not to, I decided to go down a business path and, and I'm extremely happy I did that. Um, the, one of the main, there's two impetuses as to why I wanted to write specifically. One of those impetuses was that I knew that I had ideas to express, but I was not good or competent at expressing those ideas. And I figured the best way to improve would be to write. Um, and then on top of that, like I said, I wanted to do something creative. I've always wanted to do something creative. And I also knew that just, I mean, based on common sense, the barrier to entry to writing fiction versus writing a film is significantly smaller. So um, those kind of dual factors um, were what led to the, this, this book and, and why it is a book as opposed to a different form of media. Um, I'm lucky because I fell in love with the the art form, I guess, uh, and it it ended up being something that I was able to really dive into and study and study the craft of storytelling and study um, the craft of literature and and literature is is something that I, that I do love, but more so I love stories. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so again, it was, it was almost a situation of the medium finding me as opposed to, I need to write a book. It was more, I have to tell a story and the not easiest, but the lowest barrier to enter mm-hmm. way to do that was with writing a book. So obviously when it comes to writing a book, there's like a little bit of a mindset options, right? Like you want to be creative. So you could just go out and write kind of pen to paper, but all obviously, as you know, also there's a lot of best practices you could say, like anything in business, there's, you could just launch a company, but typically there's, you know, you want to do your can't, you know, business model canvas. You want to plan it out a bit. When you were starting this journey, did you approach it almost like for lack, I guess, a not a corporate thing, but do you start saying, okay, I, want, I need to learn these skill sets. I want to take it day by day. I need to learn this first. Or was it, Hey, I'm gonna get pen to paper. I'm going to work on this idea. And along the way, I'm going to figure out the best ways to express my ideas on paper in a literary format or kind of how did that happen? Cause there's always that beginning part where you can, I don't say prepare, but maybe there's more learning you could do along the journey. How did you learn how to write a book? I guess. Cause I'm assuming everyone learns in grade two, but there's levels to elementary school learning how to write a story versus writing a whole novel. Yeah. I would say that if I were, so I'll, I'll preface this by saying I did it wrong. And if I, there's a reason that it took me nine years to write my first book. Um, so if I were to go back and give myself advice, I would change the order of operations to put it in perspective of um, how I wrote it into a direct corollary to a business, an entrepreneurial um, endeavor. I basically had like six failed startups before, like learning what I did mm-hmm. wrong before I had a successful one. Oh, and then I, I'm kind of relating that to, so this is draft seven of like fully mm-hmm. rewritten head to toe book. Oh, wow. And again, it's book one of three. So mm-hmm. um, significant amount of, a significant more way to go, but there's also mm-hmm. this, this, this took quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, what I did was I just dove in head first and draft one I wrote in a month in like 2014. And it's maybe one day if this becomes the next like Harry Potter, I'll release yeah. it just to be like, look, it doesn't matter how terrible you are. You can always get better because it is entirely um, unreadable. Just, it, just awful in, in every, in every way, every conceivable storytelling way. Um, from there, I, I gave it to people to read and, and, they were like, this is not good. And I was like, okay. So I took classes, I started learning and iterating basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you're creating a piece of software, you, you have an idea, you create, you know, a prototype, you test it, you have alpha, beta, you know, et cetera, testers, um, you iterate on it, you find the bugs. And that's basically what I was doing for a decade. Um, learning the craft, learning the art, reading as much as I could, writing as much as I could, um, getting as much feedback from different sources as I could, uh, people who were as unbiased as possible, people who read the genre, people who didn't, trying to also interpret that feedback, right? Like you can also have two conflicting opinions and you're like, well, which one do I go with? Um, but the, I guess, possibly more interesting question for for any of your listeners is in the actual process of writing a story, if you look at each story on, on its own as its own endeavor, um, there's also the process of do you just dive in or do you map it out? And there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of terms for this uh, in the writing world. I use like mappers and uh, divers, but you can it's like a term called pantsers, which is like flying by the seat of your pant. Like you can you can do it a couple ways. 
Um, basically what that means is to your point, you make a really, really specific outline um, business plan essentially of how, of what you want your story to say, or do you just dive in and see where the story takes you? That becomes a completely stylistic and personal choice based on how you write. Um, for me, what I learned was I need a map. If I do not have a map, I'm writing myself in circles for like six years. Um, and so moving forward for all stories, my plan is basically to have a pretty tight outline of chapter by chapter um, what's going to happen, what the character arcs are, so I can see from a high level the entire story before I write it. That's super interesting because you would think that it makes sense to make, you know, outline a story. But when it comes to creative things, typically, or creating a story, you always tend to jump in head first. I mean, like many people having a startup, they're like, I'm just going to build. I'm not going to ask anyone. I'm going to build this whole product. And then you, like you said, your first iteration, you give this to someone. They're like, okay, I, I don't know where the value is. And you're like, no, you don't understand. And then you start explaining it to them. And then you realize, okay, they're not getting the picture. I have to kind of take it back to the drawing board and recraft it so my audience or market can understand my, can understand my vision. When it comes to, I, I mean, this is probably similar to a startup, but probably way less in the sense of when you're writing a book, it's really much your story, especially when it's fiction. How do you get feedback on it when people's opinions about the story are not really, I'll say not irrelevant, but they may be critiquing your story and not maybe how it's laid out or the context. And there's very many opinions on it. How do you differentiate people's opinions on if they like or dislike the story versus the book itself that could be approved upon? How do you know what to wear and how to get navigate through all that feedback? For sure. So um, I think that what's helped me a lot is really learning and I can make a bunch of recommendations on books to read and, and, and whatnot on this subject matter, but really learning the craft of storytelling um, and what makes a well-written story so that I know personally, like the characters have to be a reflection of like in, in my world, it's fantasy. So the magic system has to be a reflection of the characters and their growth and their arc, which has to be a representation of the themes, which all have to be foils of blah, 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 blah. So I know those building blocks in a way that an architect would understand how a building is made better than I would, mm-hmm. right? Like I can look at a house and be like, that's a pretty house. And I like these things, but an architect could be like, well, that's going to fall over, right? So yeah. um, understanding those building blocks is really useful so that when people give me feedback, I can parse as to whether or not it makes sense from a storytelling lens from the story I'm trying to tell mm-hmm. versus a personal opinion lens versus a um I'll call it stylistic lens. Yeah. So what I mean by those three categories is like if someone gives me a piece of feedback and they're pointing at a structural piece that I might not have noticed, I'll be able to understand, okay, that's what they're actually trying to say. Mm-hmm. They're saying that this character's arc or whatever like they don't might not have the words for it, but it's a structural piece that's missing. I'm going to use mm-hmm. that feedback versus a personal piece where it's like, I don't really like fantasy. So the magic is mm-hmm. weird. And it's like, okay, that's perhaps useful feedback for market penetration mm-hmm. and, and, you know, market sizing, but not necessarily to change the book versus, um, versus stylistic where it's like, there's an actual flaw with the, the, t- the tactical writing. So I give it to someone and they're like, 
yeah, it's too wordy, or this dialogue is really clunky, or I got bored in this section. And it's like, okay, let me take a look at that and see if I can see what you're seeing and then revise it. So um, feedback reception and how to parse it out becomes a skill set on its own. <laughs> and I think the more that you're familiar, and obviously with your story, but also just with receiving feedback, you can, you can kind of understand where those things are coming from. And then there's also... Um, there's also a point where you have to just know whether or not you want to accept the feedback, right? Like, because it is a creative endeavor and you have to decide what you want. A lot of people will write books with the, with the goal of, I, I want to make money. And you can write a pretty terrible book really fast. It's going to make a ton of money if you just market it right, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and the go-to example is Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm-hmm. It's not Shakespeare, but it made like a billion dollars because you market it right, you put it in the right segment, and there's people who want to read that, and it has its purpose. For me, um, I I would love to make a ton of money on my writing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But first and foremost, I wanted to tell a really good story and to whatever degree I can master mm-hmm. the art and craft of storytelling because it's something that's meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. So that you know, if, so, if someone came to me with a check for a billion dollars, like I want to make a TV show to your series, but I'm going to change all of these different things. It's like, mm, keep your money. No, thank you. It's not the, what I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to, at, at a certain point as well, understand, understand the feedback and understand if you want to incorporate it. The, the golden rule basically though, for anyone who's kind of getting into this game or interested at all mm-hmm. is if two or three people give you the exact same feedback it's worthwhile. One person says something, okay, take it with a grain of salt. If more than one person says something, it's worthwhile looking because obviously people are seeing something you're not. Yeah. And I think the multiple points of feedback, I always see it come up more and more, even with business or just anything in, in life. Because a lot of times, one piece of feedback, I used to even, even when I had ideas, I'd say, oh, they still understand my vision here. They misread it. It's their fault. You yeah. have three people say the same thing. And you're like, okay, I'm trying to position it this way everyone's saying why, but I'm talking about X. Now it's my issue on how I presented the facts or how I presented this story. And I think that's always important because yeah, one point of feedback is just a number, but two points. Now you're making a line. Now there's a trend. Maybe I'm the one who's misinterpreting what the market's saying, or at least people are saying, and it could be the way I'm positioning it. Or a lot of times, especially for a business, like the homepage isn't clear really what the point of the story is going to be. Exactly. So you kind of touch on an interesting point. I think this is the same thing when it comes to creating anything in life is how f- you have to almost m- balance the idea of like your vision versus the market or like developing a business. How, how do you, when it came to writing the book, obviously your intentions of creating this is obviously to sell it, obviously making a ton of money is not the main goal, but it is a part of the goal. How do you, in your writing, incorporate I guess what the market wants to see or like what people readers might be interested in versus maybe what you'd want to put on paper. Is there a, I'd say a trade-off, but is there a consideration of, Hey, I think this idea is great, but it won't do well possibly in like maybe the other fantasy genres, like it's too out there. How did you balance those thoughts when coming to writing the book? Yeah. So for me, it's not even a consideration. Like I will not, compromise my creative vision and that's part of the benefit of being completely in in, like Mm -hmm. indie right like i'm publishing it myself i'm absorbing all of the costs and i'm at a deficit um but it also gives me 100 creative control and i would rather create something that is as strong of a piece of art 
for lack of mm-hmm. a better term, um, as possible, then try to create something. If I want to create something that, that's marketable, then I'll just make something that's purely marketable and mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about the artistic vision of it. But that's not what this is. Mm-hmm. So, and to each their own. I'm sure there's people who want to try to blend kind of what's popular and what's not. But the thing about trying to chase the market is that you're, you're chasing a, something that's already ahead of you. So uh, particularly in books where like, it's going to take you time to write, it's going to take you time, whatever, who knows what fads are going to change or what trends are going to move versus creating something that um, is, I mean, if, if you look at like, the original Star Wars, Back to the Future, Terminator, um, Gone with the Wind, Shakespeare. Like these are stories that are um, timeless for a reason, right? So that that was my intention was I want something that's going to outlive whatever the trends are right now. And that's going to be as strong and powerful as possible because the, I mean, stories in particular will outlive everything else yeah. that that the market's going to dictate in a short period of time. That is, I, I remember hearing like a TikTok or a short talking about that, where the creative, like the quality of a creative or bu- building something that's truly your story with your passion is more important than what the customer wants because the customer or the audience can tell emotion. It's the whole idea that if you're passionate about something that tends to carry over. And when you try to play too many roles, it's very obvious that either it's a money grab or you're trying to do too many things. So it's okay. And okay is never good. You want to be not controversial, but you have to have some emotion where people feel something when reading, watching, or even looking at your business idea or story. So it is more and more. I think it's easier said than done a lot of times though. Yeah. And I, you also have to like, listen, there's a, every chance in the world that I make something that no one ever wants to read. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have to be okay with that. Um, I suppose with any business venture, you have to have the courage of your convictions and and same with creating a business, right? Like you, if you're creating a business that you believe the market's going to want, you don't actually know that. Um, And I think the Henry Ford quote is probably the the most apt here. Like if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Mm -hmm. Right. So part of um, perhaps making any, artistic endeavor is that you're hoping that you're tapping into something that is powerful enough in you that it also resonates in other people. Yeah. So you're writing the book now and obviously over the past 10, you know, 10 years you're working on this almost a decade, something has come up that has changed storytelling. You could say AI a little bit. Everyone loves to say AI is either the best thing ever for um, writers or artists because it can do a lot of the boring work for you. And the other, other whole end of the spectrum, that's like AI is ruining. There's no such thing as writing anymore. You just need yeah. to become a prompt engineer. How, what is your view of AI as a, now a published author? Is it negative, positive? Do you see it adding value in the creative process or is it just really a, not really that compare, uh, I guess that beneficial to developing stories? Yeah, I think that. Uh, I'll preface this by saying I am by no means a tech expert and I'm certainly not an AI expert. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound silly and like making all these declarations because yeah. it's not something I've looked that much into or know that much about beyond kind of what the general public knows. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had recommendations about a year and a half ago. So I, I edited this thing down. It's it's about 235,000 words. When I gave it to my editor, it was 270. So I got it like 15% down. That's still for context. The average book is like 100,000 words. It's still way too long. But the suggestion I got was, why don't you throw into ChatGPT and be like, make this 20% more concise. <laughs> I don't know that I would trust someone else to remove or change my words mm-hmm. or my story um at least right now because th- again the art and craft of storytelling is something that I really really care mm-hmm. about and to not be able to see what those changes are and see the background and the thought process mm-hmm. behind it I don't know maybe one day the technology will be there um but I'm I'm I guess I'm AI neutral like mm-hmm. I don't think that if you have a really good story, so for, I've played around with AI and I've used it a little bit. And from what I've seen and used, it's not, it's, it's, it's spitting out inputs, but it's basically like predictive text. Like mm-hmm. it, I haven't been so impressed with the, you know, oratory brilliance of AI. Um, so if you have a really, really good idea and you're able to then communicate and, and distill your idea in a way that an AI program can create a brilliant story, then sure, that that's that's a tool that you've used to get there, is my opinion. I don't think that you need to necessarily spend the hours typing it out by hand. Um, maybe my opinion will change. I don't know. Maybe that's heresy. For me, I think that it would be more effort, given the amount of planning I would have to do anyways, to actually put something into an AI program to get out the level of complexity that I want within the story um, for it to be useful for me per se. Maybe maybe like for helping to outline or whatever. And, and maybe like if my work becomes so ubiquitous, then it, you know, it can search the internet for all my characters and understand yeah. them better. Um, but for right now, I just don't think for me, at least in what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to write, it's a useful tool. And the reason being, um, is mostly because I just don't think that the level of input that I would be able to do would be able to teach it what it needs to know versus the, the decade or so that I've spent thinking and connecting all these dots in my brain. That. That's actually a great response. Uh, and I, th- I feel actually a very similar way. And what you touched on, even other people I've spoken to in the business world and writing world or content creation world in general have a very similar stance where if you can make a perfect prompt to get the exact story you want, you've already written the story. Like if yeah. you can explain it is you're already there. But I think what you touched on there, I think where there was maybe a lot more value in it is the idea of like, okay, I'm battling with this idea of X, Y, and Z. Let me throw into AI to see what they would respond with, to see if it's in line, if it's different. How I've used AI for a lot of creative things is almost like a sending to another person to review something. Like, hey, this is my, like, this is my post or this is my idea. What are, you, what do you think the issues are with this? Or if this happens, what would you think the outcomes are? And I find it a good way to almost battle myself of like, oh, that's maybe a different opinion. Or okay, I wrote this prompt. I wrote this passage. The AI has no idea what I'm talking about. Maybe I'm being unclear. If a robot can't understand this, I can't expect a person to understand it. So I think it's almost useful as a, not a tool to create, but a tool to almost like a random person online to give you feedback where it's not, they only know your reasoning behind it, but they can tend to give you 
consolidated information. But no, I think, especially if you're trying to summarize the whole story, I found AI loves certain words a lot. So it becomes very generic because the tone tends to be pretty generic yeah. unless you unless you're so famous where they have all your literature. And then I think it'd be a wonderful tool if you're like, hey, I've written for 30 years. What did this character do? How would this character speak to this character? And then you probably have a really cool, almost like DND, where you're developing its own, your whole little ecosystem where it could talk to one another. But it is just a lot of work to do to develop, I think, an output. Maybe for brainstorming, it's useful, but that's a little bit more of a different conversation. For sure. So you start writing the book. When do you know you're done? I think that's always an interesting question. Like, there's always like, it could be a little bit better. Also, with with the length of the book, I guess this is before we go there is, do you get to the end or do you write linearly or is it like one chapter, maybe jump ahead a few and fill in the middle or how does that work? Because I feel once you're done one, you want to edit something else, but then it's a never ending cyclical cycle. So um, I'll answer the the second question first. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, I'll answer the first question first. You never, ever feel like you're done is the short answer. And I'll dive more into that while I'm answering Mm -hmm. the second question. But essentially... Um, like I said, what I learned about myself is that I need a map because a lot of my writing and idea, like generation comes from the act of writing. So I'm writing out a chapter and I'm like, oh, this is a brilliant idea. And I'm learning about the character as I go. And I realize I spent an entire day. I wrote 5,000 words. I'm going to use about a hundred words, but this idea was fantastic. And let's put that here or there, particularly in fantasy in my my world has a couple overarching magic systems. It's I had to, this will also answer your question a bit more, but create a really, really complex um, lore and history and background because like a fool, I came up with the ending first and then had to f- and fit everything else around it because I was so stubborn. Um, so as a result, I'm spent years just years actually going in my head debating one or two plot points and just looking at it from every possible angle and saying what are the holes and how do i make sure that they are filled consistently in a way that makes sense with internal logic in the world Mm -hmm. so um for this book book one which is the first of a trilogy but it's also its own standalone story you could read it and never read anything else and have a complete story there's it leads into book two very nicely but hypothetically you it could in there um i had the idea for the ending 95 percent of the, there's like a denouement but like the climactic ending i had an idea of the magic system i've always loved the four greek elements so i wanted to include that and that's about it and then i built everything around it which is not how i necessarily recommend writing and then as i was writing i was writing straightforward And I was writing in such a way where I was kind of learning what would come next. Because I had that North Star, I was able Mm. to say, okay, what makes sense to get me there? Unfortunately, it was kind of like climbing a mountain while also the mountain was still growing behind, like in front of me. Because as I was writing, I was was like, I'm going to have to include like 10 more chapters to explain like this next (laughs) thing. Um, And just realizing how much more I had to write, which is... A very difficult task when you're already 150,000 words into a book and you never see the end. So, um, and then the editing process, like you said, like as you start adding things in, you want to go back. Editing um, is basically like rewriting an entire book mm-hmm. if you're doing it a re- really thorough. 
Um, I, I hired a professional editor once I, 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 so this is draft seven. I went through five full drafts before I was remotely happy with it. I, I rewrote the first hundred pages at least 10 to 15 times from scratch, just blank slate rewriting it because I didn't feel it was right. Um, and it was at the point where I felt I was, this is good enough. I'd like eight years in that I sent it out to a professional editor. And then once I had done, you know, two, like I got the notes back, um, she's fantastic. Uh, I, I re I revised a ton. Like I said, I was able to cut out about 15%, sent it back to her at a certain point. It became a point in my life. This, I can keep making this marginally better, half a percentage better, but the marginal return over the marginal cost just wasn't there anymore. And it was at a point where I was, I was giving it to people. They were happy with it. And I had to decide like, okay, this needs to go out into the world. And I need to now take on the business aspect of selling the book because the writing has to be done. You could, you could keep painting over the same spot forever, but eventually you have to just choose to be finished. How was going from that creative then now back into the business world? Do you think if you left school and you're like, I'm just going creative, do you find now that you've worked more in the corporate world that now the business side of writing or business side of marketing book became a lot easier? Were you able to kind of do both now? Because you've kind of seen, you've done a little bit creative and you've worked in the corporate world. Do you find that having both experiences made a little bit easier trying then to get the book into publishment and then onto Amazon getting it launched? Was that... Was your life of as a corporate person still, and you still work, was that useful, you think, for the creative process and then for doing the business side of the book as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as much as it's challenging to kind of have my brain in, in both worlds, and, and it is challenging at times mm-hmm. to, to always want to be doing the other thing, um, I think one of the main benefits that I have over a lot more hyper-creative people is that I have really focused on discipline. So when I, most people that I know who are writers have like a bunch of ongoing projects that they never finish because they think of a great idea, they start it and never comes to completion. This took me nine years, right? It, whenever I'm interviewing for a sales job, they're always like, well, how do we know you have grit? And I'm like, have you ever tried writing something for a decade? Because it's, <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> um, so having that discipline to actually get through it, it was, was tremendously helpful. And I learned that a lot from the corporate side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the marketing side, of course, just, just understanding how expenses work and even just like ha- creating a small business where I can expense things against the book and mm-hmm. say like, okay, well, this is a business expense and therefore it's going to you know, reduce my taxable income and X, Y, Z, but then let me create a budget so I can track where my marketing money is going mm-hmm. and look at the ROI and just all of the basic things that you would do if you were putting a business plan in place um, so I can actually try to measure success and look at a short-term, long-term output. Um, that being said, jumping into the world of marketing a book, I have no idea where I'm starting from. And mm-hmm. whether it's Instagram or running Facebook ads, Amazon ads, Google ads, these are all things that I've had to learn uh, and I'm still learning. But the the basics of it in terms of just like looking at ROI and creating a plan to understand where my money's going and where the value of, uh, you know, the cost of, of, of this marketing plan versus pivoting and doing X, Y, Z. Um, definitely, definitely feel like I have an advantage having 
worked in corporate for 10 years. And your book obviously said it's part of a trilogy. Was it always intended to be three parts or did you start writing it and you're like, oh, dear goodness, this is going to be a 3,000 page book. I need to break it up. Or was it from day one you had like three key little peaks you wanted to hit so you thought of them fall into three books well? No, it has always been a trilogy. And again, this is just like hubris um, because I was like, I want the book one to end this way and I want it to be a trilogy and I want to have this magic system. But I've always been in love with trilogies. Um, you know, growing up with Back to the Future and the original Star Wars movies. Um, and I mean, there's there's so many great trilogies out there, but I think there's something very powerful about a story told in three parts. Um so it's uh, the plan is always for it to be a trilogy and i know what book two the main plot's going to be and then i know kind of how the story more or less ends mm -hmm. there's room for pliability depending on how the story goes but um i always wanted it to be a complete whole story told in in three yeah i that's so funny how you're like i'm gonna write a book i'm gonna do three parts yeah <laughs> don't have any of them finished but i know it's gonna be three but i think like you said it like anything in in life you have to have a little bit of a plan. So having that from the beginning makes every step a little bit easier. Now, it took nine, 10 years to get your first book out. Have you then obviously also thought about, okay, this is the time scale across my life also? Like, hey, you know, if I did maybe in five years, two, like, has that been planned at all? Or is it just day by day now that you're focusing on getting this first book out there? Or have you thought about the other books and the launch dates even this early into the process? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, that's definitely math that I did. Like it, I, I would be upset with myself if the next book took me even half as long, frankly, even a third as long, mostly because I, I know what I'm doing now, right? Like yeah. the first several years was me just failing and learning, um, and building the muscle of writing. Right. So just from a, um, you know, skills base i've done my apprenticeship i've done my uh my i've paid my dues to the the writing you know overlords um so hopefully it won't take me as long to write and i can do it more succinctly at the same time life gets busier and i'm newly married hopefully we'll be a dad at some point in the future um so it, that kind of forces you to be more succinct and more process of your time but definitely have plans um for the future i want to turn this into an audio my plans for 2024 is to turn this into an audiobook and probably to write a novella um just to give people something to tide them over um based in the same world more or less an encyclopedia uh of of this world but told in first person um and then hopefully having book two out within 2025 2026 2025 is pretty ambitious mm -hmm. but 2026 mm -hmm. um Again, I think that most of my time was spent, and I'm talking about thousands of hours, just rewriting the same chapters and ideas in different ways. A lot of that time could be truncated with, if I spend, let's say, six months doing an incredibly detailed outline. Mm -hmm. um, because the act of writing itself, if I know what I'm writing and I'm in a groove, I can knock out five, six, seven, eight thousand words in a in a sitting, which is like, let's say, eight hours. Um you do that for a couple months, all of a sudden you have a working draft. Um, you get it up to an editor, you get it up to beta readers. And then if it's strong enough on the first one, which is where the outline comes in, then you're just, you're doing fine tuning as opposed to rewriting. So I have thought about these things. This is all pie in the sky. I mean, hopefully it goes the way that I'm saying, but um, 
definitely don't intend to take 18 years to finish <laughs> this trilogy. Yeah, I I think we touched on also something you always hear is that when it comes to even writing a book, I'm assuming, or even having a startup, when you start out, you're like, I'm just put hours in. Hour, I need to be working. Can't be wasting time thinking. I just need to work, work, work. And then you talk to people who've been in the industry or have had successful businesses or successful careers, and they say, time spent planning is not wasted time. It might feel like wasted time because like you said, you're just sitting there thinking like, how do I do this outline? I'm not putting pen to paper. I'm just thinking. But six months of planning, like a few weeks of planning can save you months of writing the same thing over and over again. I think that's always a skill that you can tell everyone, spend time planning, but it's so hard when you want to create to sit back and just say, I'm going to just plan today. This week, I'm just thinking, no, trying to get ahead of myself. I think that's always a challenge. No matter who you are, first-time founders, first-time writers always talk about, I should have spent more time planning. I thought it was a waste of time until I realized it took so long to go back and realize I made this silly mistake. I should have known ahead of time. I think that's just the journey of the creative journey for everything in life. Yeah. And that's also youth, right? Like you want to dive into it. And that's, that's part of the learning process. Like there's no way you're going to sit down as a first time founder, first time writer, first time anything and know what to plan, right? Like part of it is, is stumbling and falling down and being like, Oh, okay. There's a rock there. Don't, don't do that again. Um, So I, I don't even think if I could go back and be whatever, 22, 23 again and plan, like there's no way I would get to the same end. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, again, like the last decade was, was a learning decade for me. And I'm so, I'm so beyond proud of what came mm-hmm. out of it. Like the book is incredibly well received, which is even if I never, never sell another copy and people just mm-hmm. find it on the ground and like it, like that's all that I could ever ask for creating something out of my brain and mm-hmm. putting hours into it. Right. Um, but, but that entire process then gave me a, a skill set which I can then use to save myself another decade of work and hopefully come up with maybe two books in that time or three or mm-hmm. a bunch of other projects. Yeah, you have to, it's almost, you have to experience the chaos to understand how to get through it. It's a, a lot of first time parents say about this. You can read all the baby books in the world. You can't experience until you have a child and you realize what it is like. And I'm assuming that's like starting a business, doing everything else. Feedback I always got for a lot of times who want to become founders. The answer is try it out. Like you can read all these books. Okay, I need to figure out this market cap. I need to build this plan. But until you do it, you don't realize what you don't know. And I think that's like anything in life. You just have to go through the messy middle of the awkwardness of, hey, this thing was ineffective, but at least I learned from there and move forward. Um, but it's always the same story in almost every walk of life. You just need those hours. You can't replicate the hours in the industry or in the, in, in the grind for lack of a better phrase. So you're launching your book. So when you were doing this idea, were you always planning on launching a book, like publishing and getting a book pen and paper, or was this ever going to be just like a digital personal use only, or did you always want it to be public facing? I think once I decided that I wanted to write a book, which was right at the beginning, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be out there. And the, 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 the kind of even further back is that I've always wanted to tell stories. Like stories have had, which sounds vague, stories have had an impact on me. But um, I grew up watching, like I still have the VHSs downstairs of the original Star Wars. You, you can probably tell mm-hmm. I'm using the same movie references over and over. But um, whether it was Star Wars, whether it was like even Saturday morning mm-hmm 
cartoons. Um, and, and I was always just drawn by stories with deep, like when I was, I remember being really, really young and being incredibly angry at the TV because it just kept showing reruns of like blues clues and Sesame mm -hmm. street. I'm like, I need more, I need substance yeah. and just being drawn into, um, to, to, you know, shows like avatar, the last airbender mm -hmm. or, um, even it's going to sound silly, but like Digimon, the first season, mm -hmm. like that had an arc and had characters and, um, take drawing lessons from those types of store from any story, mm -hmm. really, whether it's a lesson of, you know, how to, how to behave, how to be a good person, how to be brave, mm -hmm. all of those things. Um, and so I didn't really realize it till I studied literature a bit more in university. Um, and I got lucky cause it was just one of my electives, but there's the impact and power of stories and how we can interpret the world and how we do interpret the world through the stories that we read and tell and tell ourselves. Um, so I wanted to create something that was a world that people could live in similar or like to, to give people the experiences that I was lucky enough to have growing up, um, and, and living in these incredible worlds but at the same time had a lot of depth under it, mm -hmm. right? So if we look at something like the original Star Wars trilogy, there's a lot you know, on, on its face. It's fun. It's adventure. It's, you know, Jedi and, mm -hmm. and the force and all that kind of stuff. But there's a ton of depth underneath it. I, George, uh, George Lucas was an early student of Joseph Campbell, who created the hero of a thousand faces, mm -hmm. the hero's journey, who was a stu student of Carl Jung, um, which, who dove, dove deep into archetypes and, mm -hmm. and, and, and obviously the human mind, um, who was a I guess, contemporary of Freud and I, all, all of these things. But the point is that there's a ton of depth in those stories that really get to the root of what it means to be human and what it, what it means to, in that case, grow up and, and to take responsibility and to um, outlive the sins of your father mm -hmm. and to all, all of these different things. So I wanted to create something that was fun and on its face, just a great adventure, but something that if you really want to dig deep into it, had deep themes that you could latch onto and learn mm -hmm. from and grow from. And, and that's part of the reason it took so long. Part of the reason that I don't think I could put this into AI and it would spit out the mm -hmm. same thing, because I really, really gave tremendous thought to every character, how they reacted with each other, how it fit within the story mm -hmm. as a whole, how it reflected the themes that I was trying to get across, how everyone was a different foil for. Mm -hmm those themes how the dialogue was the the term uh, john truby would use is mm -hmm. symphonic so it's not just superficial but it's also talking to the bigger scene mm -hmm. and plot and themes that are within it so um i the long answer to your question is i always wanted it to be people facing but i wanted to create something that was worthwhile mm -hmm. of, of actually being in front of people you're every english teacher's dream where it's why this? Why the characters say this? There was a reason. It wasn't just a space filler. I remember I always thought the the joke you always learn in school is like, ah, the author wasn't thinking that deep into it. And the answer is probably the author was. There probably was thoughts of how this statement or how is this character their flaws, how it impacts everything else. But it's it's always the classic, like, no, they didn't mean that. But sometimes they did. Sometimes it is a little bit deeper than just X, Y, and Z occurring to move the story forward. Yeah, I'd say it's a coin flip. I think there's yeah. a lot of authors who don't. And, and listen, not every single word. I'm <laughs> I'm not a genius. Every, there are some. There's sometimes just jokes in there. Yeah. Um. But you know, if you look at the um, 
the the main characters, for example, without getting into too too much detail, all three of these characters on on the cover, this character has, controls air, this character controls fire, this character is too detailed for me to get into right now. Um, but their their powers and abilities are a direct correlation of who they are and their character arc, not just in this book, but uh-huh. as a whole and how that relates to their individual themes, which then uh-huh. also contrast against one another, which are a reflection of the same idea of what it means to grow up, which is uh-huh. basically the central plot of this book, but hidden in a really fun adventure. Uh-huh. Right. So that type of stuff is thought out. There's also just a bunch of jokes in there. Cause yeah. they're like, teenage boys and it's fun to to write that dialogue mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it's it's always so interesting it's like anything in life i think is where that like you even touched on the journey always looks linear outside looking in you're like oh just wrote a book came out simple but the journey is always so messy like any any business that was created it's like if you read the biography it's like okay that was pretty simple but they condensed 10 years into one chapter where it's yeah. so much learning so many thoughts and emotions put into the story to get to where it is so now that we're kind of wrapping up here, obviously a lot of people now, I think, want to be creative. Every child's dream is to be a YouTuber. Um, <laughs> I guess you could say that's why I'm doing this a little bit. But everyone, I think, always wants to be creative. If someone is maybe younger or looking to get into writing, now this is a little bit of a loaded question, how do you get started? I think that's always what people say. Is there a process that you found useful to getting pen to paper, at least to starting the journey? So it's not like a idea you start and kind of fizzles out ends something that can give a little more life to than just coming up with an idea and hopefully adding some more legs to it how would you recommend doing or starting that journey my number one recommendation this is going to sound just everyone's going to give you this answer but it's just to do it um that's obviously the probably least useful advice um but you know to everything else we were talking about you got to get your reps in now the tangible response and this is so um First of all, I'm always happy to talk to anyone who's interested in in writing and learning. I've done some freelance editing on the side, and it's um, it's helpful, like to speak to whether it's not me, but if it's someone else, if this is something you want to do, to speak to someone who's done it before, just so you don't have to start from scratch. Um, but the 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 advice that I give to anyone who's looking to to do something similar to what I did is basically treat it like it's a job. And that's not to say that you have to do nine to five or whatever, but create a schedule for yourself, create a timeline for yourself. So whether for me, I like to write on the weekends and I actually typically write better at night. So like from like 3 p.m. onward. So when I'm in a writing mode, um, I will basically block off my weekends and people know they're not going to get a hold of me. Like I'm just not going to be social for six months or something. Um, which isn't for everyone, but just mm-hmm. as an example. And I'll write, let's say Saturday, Sundays are my writing days and maybe like Saturday or Saturdays are my writing days. And for this amount of time, I'm going to sit in front of my computer. And that that's what those hours are dedicated to. And I treat it like a muscle. And at first, like going to the gym, it's you're going to be sore and it's going to suck and you're going to hate it. But you'll build that muscle over time and you'll train your body that at this on this day, at this time, I sit down in front of my computer or at a coffee shop or with a notepad or whatever. And I write and you're going to get better and better and better at doing that thing. And even if 
you're there for hours and nothing comes of it. It's like, that's what those hours are dedicated to. I'm not going to be distracted. And then I move on and next week I'll do the same thing. Um, so that's the, that's the most practical advice I can give someone is just, is create a routine around it and commit to it and make it that thing that you're doing. Just like if you were going to play a sport or doing something else, it would be the same time every week and you would know where you're going, you know what you're doing. And eventually you will build hopefully a muscle, a mental muscle around doing that. And it becomes easier and easier and easier. And what I, what I noticed for me is like, I can feel the difference in that muscle and writing when I'm doing it more consistently, where a lot of creative people struggle. This takes us back to the beginning, mm-hmm. beginning of the conversation is not having that discipline. So I think, I don't know if it's Jocko Willink or whoever mm-hmm. it is, has said discipline will set you free it is very very true with a creative endeavor and same with a, a business endeavor like when i'm trying to do business things for the book if i set aside time for it and dedicate myself to it and make that a routine and make it regular everything else becomes easier and I, like you touched on you just need to put hours in and scheduling the hours even if nothing comes of it it's better to spend time thinking and doing it than not doing it. Like, like someone said, if you spend a thousand hours trying something, you'll be better than if you spending no hours, you just need even in effect, inefficient time relatively is still better than nothing. So just scheduling. And I also found that probably you're touching on is by having it scheduled in your day or having a specific writing room or place you do your work, it, yeah. e- it compartmentalizes your brain so much easier. I mean, a lot of people who speak about fitness, they like going to the gym because they know, okay, when I'm at the gym, I'm working out or if they work out at home, it's hard. Okay. I eat here, but I also work out, but my TV's here and that's where distractions tend to ruin everything. Yeah. Um, so now, now they're wrapping up. If you want to learn more about the book, learn more about you, where's the best place to get in touch or to learn more about the story. Yeah. So, um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, the handle is at elements of time book. Um, I, I say you can find me. It's all about the book. That's where I post stuff first and foremost. Um, promos, giveaways. I just did a, a Black Friday giveaway. Actually, I don't know when this will be coming out. Um, but Might be a few uh, weeks, but yeah. Either way. Um, yeah. So promos, giveaways, discounts. Um, I'll often do things with other authors where you can get multiple books for cheap or, or for free. Um, so again, that's in, the Instagram is at Elements of Time Book. You can also, and that's where that's where things that's where I'm most active. That's where things come up first. I also uh, have a website, um, www.elementsoftime.ca. Um, stuff finds its way there after Instagram, just because, frankly, it's harder to update a, a website than it mm-hmm. is uh, Instagram. But um, you can find a bunch of stuff there, um, as well as I just just introduced signed paperbacks um, on the website. So if you want a signed copy of the paperback, I ship anywhere to Canada and the US. Um, it's just the cost of the book plus shipping. And um, hoping that there will be merch as well in 2024, which you'll be able to find on the website. Right now there isn't, but I'm hoping that'll that'll come out. And then if you want to find out more about the book specifically, or you want to buy the book, you can find it through the website. All the links are there. Best place to find it is Amazon. Um, and then there's information about it on Goodreads as well. If you want to see what other people are saying, um, but Amazon is your best bet, just elements of time or my name and you'll find it there.